Salt and Rock, episode 13. Uh, we want to go ahead and preface this uh, this week, guys, that <laughs> we are talking about someone today who is going to take a very long time. We're going to try to get this in two episodes, but realistically, I'm already thinking that we're going to have to go into three. We ran through Paul so fast that we missed things that we had written down. Like post-edit, we found stuff that we wish that we would have talked about. We really don't want to do that here, so we're going to try to take our time and not not move quite as fast, but we're still going to be cognizant of your time. Peter will be three separate episodes probably. If we can get it into two, we'll do it, but no promises. So uh, we're going to start off with Simon. Yeah, so Simon's born 1 BC. Son uh, of Jonah. Yeah. Not the same Jonah. No. Is <laughs> uh, a brother, Andrew. Uh, who is also a disciple or becomes a disciple. Yeah, Andrew was following along first, though, right? He was a follower of John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Right. Yeah, we see later that he's actually introduced to Jesus through Andrew because mm-hmm. Andrew is a follower of John the Baptist. It's noted that in, between 25 and 27 A.D., he gets married, has kids, and settles in Capernaum. And we were talking about this before we started recording. I don't really know why he's the only one that's noted biblically as being married and having kids well i mean as we were saying it may be only because jesus comes in and heals his mother-in-law right you know so maybe they're they're building the preference to the story right for it to have an effect a cause and effect so he's got a mother-in-law so they let us know that he's got a mother-in-law so that when jesus comes in and heals his mother-in-law that we understand that he was married with kids and that there was a mother-in-law involved right right maybe that's the only reason maybe i don't (laughs) Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, it it could be also that he it just it just shows that Jesus drew from all walks of life for his disciples mm-hmm. because not you know he's a family man, right? Uh, but we see around thirty A.D. that Andrew introduces him to Jesus. My thought process has always been that Jesus meets him, calls him Peter, says I'm gonna I'm gonna call you Peter, then you're gonna be my disciple. Um, and that's not really how it went. He names him Peter in John 1, but then he doesn't tell him that he's going to build his church on it until Matthew 16, which lines up with John 6. Okay. So he gives him the name of Rock. Right. So so when he first meets him, he gives him the name of Rock. My guess is that actually may feed into why, he, uh, why it lays out that he's got kids. Okay. Because... He comes up and he meets him, and I'm sure that it's, hey, yeah, this is my brother. He's he's married to so and so. He's got three mm-hmm. kids, and he goes, oh, oh, Simon the Rock, Simon, you know, the like rock. the the Rock of the, the household, original Rock. So so maybe that's it. But then, like I said, I had always I had always thought that he immediately gave him that and said, hey, you're gonna be a disciple. Come follow me. Da, da, da. That's not mm-hmm. that's not it. He gives him he gives him the name, and then they he goes on about about his business, and then later claims his, or names the 12 disciples that he wants, <clears throat> which is kind of a fun story when you find out how he's chosen as a disciple. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But, yeah, so he's named, he's renamed. Then at that point decides that he's going to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like he makes that big of an impression on him. Shortly thereafter, Jesus heals his mother-in-law. Right. He comes to Simon Peter's house and, and heals his mother-in-law. And li- a little later than that, Simon and Andrew are out fishing. Right. I'm not sure if it's Andrew and Peter or just Peter, but Peter's fishing, fishes all night long, hasn't caught anything. He sees Jesus on the beach. Jesus says, "Well, cast on this side." Why don't you? Put, <laughs> wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you normally be fishing on both sides of the boat, though? Uh, I'm not a fisherman. I mean, would you fish on both sides of your boat? Uh, well, I I would now. Okay. 
but it it kind of depends. So it it depends on the situation. Okay. I think that the way they were fishing because they were fishing with nets, they mm-hmm. would go to a change in depth. Gotcha. And fish that change in depth. Okay. So you would have your boat positioned over a drop off. Right. And you would cast into the drop off, not into the shallow side. Okay. So for me, like I'm a bass fisherman, and so that's completely opposite. I'm out in deeper water and I'm casting to the bank or casting along a rock ledge. Got it. And occasionally I will pitch one out and fish the bottom of the lake or the bottom of the stream that I'm at in the middle. But I I typically stay on one side. In this situation, though, it's this is you've got this professional fisherman. Right. That knows what he's doing. Right. You would think so. And so he's fishing and fishing and fishing and he's fished all night and toiled all night. and He's tired. He's exhausted. If you have been a Christian very long, you've heard this heard mm-hmm. this preached at some yeah. point but but yeah so you get this person who <laughs> from the you're like, line. like man you're a mason <laughs> we covered that in another episode right. you're 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 a builder right. Leave, don't what no no but he says listen dog i'm really tired but if <laughs> but if, if you, you want me to <laughs> i will and so you get this this really beautiful story of I'm frustrated and I'm going to let you know I'm a little frustrated, yeah. but at the same time, I'm going to be obedient. Yeah. And so he lowers the nets and then all of a sudden he gets other fishing boats to come in and help pull the nets out yeah, of the water. The nets are full. they've got so many that the boat starts to sink. So That'd be a nice day in fishing. Yeah, no joke. You know, I could retire if I could get a boat full of northern, great northern pike minnow. Okay. That... The state of Washington will pay you per fish to catch. Mm. And guys, there are some guys out there that know how to catch them and make fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year catching these fish. Just catching the fish. What is, are we? They trying to get rid of them? Yeah, they're okay. They're like spread. They're very predatory. They're not native, and there's no natural enemy for like no natural predator for them. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, you. But yeah, so fish now. I mean, so yeah, he's got he's got this whole boatload of fish, literally a boatload of fish. And he gets out and and he apologizes. To Jesus, he says, "Hey, I'm not I'm not worthy of you. I'm, yeah. I'm a sinner." Yeah. And Jesus says, "Well, don't be afraid. It's okay. And now you're gonna be a fisher of men. Come with me." <laughs> um, so I I think it's a really neat thing because there's a correlation here because Jesus is first. He calls him to him basically, and he has this multitude of fish. And later he preaches the first sermon and has this multitude of believers. He's like over three thousand men. Right convert to Christianity. So crazy. Like, like there's this really cool parallel here where right. you've got all these fish that you would never believe and then you have all these souls that Soul you, never that you would never so, believe. Like he he comes to fruition that Jesus says you're gonna be fishermen. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So but that's the first lesson that we see with Peter though. It's regardless of what your circumstance looks like, just listen. Yeah. Right? It would have been really easy for him to say, Ugh, you you come out here to the net out. <laughs> Why don't you come do it and show me how it's done? Right, yeah. Uh, you know how to fish those. <laughs> yeah, come out here. Uh, and that, but that's not what he does. He says, "Well, if if you say so, then I'll do it." Yeah. Even though I've fished all night, so um, we've been in these waters right here. <laughs> right. I haven't seen a fish in days. Which it is funny because I we have a particular pond that I like to fish. <laughs> And I will get irritated, and I'll be like, "I hate this pond. I don't ever catch fish in here." And then, like the next cast, I I pull in. That's all it takes is you to get frustrated. I right? just have to get frustrated. Right? You just have to get frustrated. Yeah. Why don't you just go to the lake frustrated? Uh, I go. I usually do. I go to the lake to become unfrustrated. Good bad day on the water is better than a good day in the office. So yeah, 
the funny thing. The funny thing about that though is that I get frustrated and I say that, and then my fishing buddy's always like, "I never catch fish in here." <laughs> that all happened in 30 AD. That was all in one year, according to the timeline that we have. Yeah, 30, yeah. 30 AD. I mean, that was a that was a really busy busy year for him. Busy, you know, I mean, busy year. You a you meet your brother introduces you to Jesus. B you. You know, have this huge miraculous catch of fish. You are called to to run with in Jesus's crew. Uh, around 31 AD, 31 AD to 32 AD, you you see Peter in ministry alongside Jesus. So one of the first things that we see um, in this is Jesus pulls his three main disciples out, his board of trustees, as our friend Rich pointed out a couple episodes back. Peter, James, and John are his three like innermost disciples. Um, and I think that we're going to do a series on them at some point. Yeah. But right now we're trying to go in-depth with Peter. Jesus goes into a house and heals Jairus's daughter. Or, I'm sorry, brings her back to life, doesn't brings he? Her back, yeah, doesn't I heal mean, her. Brings te- her back technically to, it's yeah. a healing, but, but yeah, brings her back to life. She's dead. from the um, dead. But he will only allow those three in the house with him. Right. So Peter, James, and John, like I said, we'll go in later, dig into why those three were chosen. Next, they're all in a boat. We've all heard this story, but recap it for us. That's pretty amazing. I mean, you got a guy, you got all these guys fishing in a boat. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water and he says, Call me out there. Call me out there. I want to try that. So Peter does it. Peter steps out of the boat. His conscience, I think, takes hold of him a little yeah. bit and he says, Oh, takes his eyes off of him and Save me. He just reached down and grabs him and pulls him out of the water. So I guess that would be a miracle, too, that Jesus performs on Peter's is saving his life from drowning. Yeah, because it wasn't just turn around swim right. back to the no, boat. No, it wasn't. He lifts him up. So right. I think that one of the probably the most misquoted um, or mislabeled text in the Bible is this right here. Okay. Because depending on what, what Bible version you have, you often see that it says Peter fails to walk on water. Right, no. And Peter did. doesn't no, he, fail he, to walk on water. He completely walked on water. Right. <laughs> the problem with the problem though is that Peter has this I think he was just so shocked that he was actually standing on water. Well, Peter has a faith problem. Right. Jesus references it a lot. But the thing is is that it's it's not that he doesn't have faith, it's that he doesn't trust his faith. So he steps mm. out of the boat right. because he has faith. He knows that Jesus called him, but the minute that he doesn't look at Jesus, the minute that he looks at his surroundings, then he says, oh, now I'm thinking. Had he just had he just kept his eyes right. on, on the Lord, it wouldn't have even been, a, like, it would have just been Jesus, Jesus and Peter walked on water. Right. So it's, and you see that throughout Peter's life, at least until, until Jesus' resurrection. Yeah. I um, like what you said. You said uh, um, he, he, he has his faith, but he doesn't trust his faith. Right. And how many times do we go into something that we we know this is a God thing? It, right. We are, we are faithful in Him and what He does for us, but we just don't trust our faith that amount to where it impacts our life to that point. Right? You know, I was like, you said that, and I'm like, ooh, I really like that. Yeah. You know, it's, I have faith, but how many times did I miss the opportunity because I didn't trust my faith? Right. Well, and the Bible says that with faith the size of a size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. But you still have to trust that faith. <laughs> exactly. You have to use it. And I remember pastor years ago used to say, faith's a muscle. Yeah. It's it's going to grow when you use it. Yeah. And, and it's going to be stronger when you don't. It's going to be stronger when you use it, and you're going to rely on it more. You you rock climb. Yeah. What's your, what's your core group of, of muscles that you use rock climbing? 
my my quads and my my biceps. Right, so but for the back. for the novice rock climber that goes out, what's the first thing they do? So the first thing they're going to try to do is they're going to muscle their way up the mountain, up up the rock, you know, versus using all of the tools that you have. Right. So, so you and you're going to get very tired doing it that way. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you use those those thigh muscles, your leg muscles, your core. They're going to get stronger, but you know your legs are the biggest muscles in your body. So you use that to climb because you're going to get the most power out of it. Right. But why are those the biggest muscles in your body? Because you use them for everything. everything. <laughs> you can't sit right without leg muscles. Right. And that's the way faith works is the more you use it, then you start using it in every other aspect of your life, mm-hmm. and then it's just going to continue to grow. Yeah. So you see him walking on water. The next time that you have a situation where Peter is actually named is right after they feed the 5,000. He sits with his disciples, believe it's in Caesarea Philippi, and he says, so who do people believe that the Son of Man is? So they say, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Right. And he says, well, who do you say I am? And that's when Peter stands up and he says, well, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Right. And so he's the first one to make that Proclamation, proclamation, yeah, yeah. that he is who he is. Right. He's the first one to actually say it audibly, I think. That's when Jesus says, you're blessed. You're the rock that I'll build my church around Yep. because no human has told you this. You found out strictly from the Father. Father, Right. Right. Yeah. So right after he says that, the Bible then says that he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he's the Messiah. Do not tell anyone that I'm the Messiah. Which which is just one of those things, because you have these people that are walking with him. I think that Jesus had to have a certain timeline to get the things done that he needed to get done before he was going to be betrayed. Because he knew his time was short. Right, and so he knew that there was so much stuff that needed to get done, he didn't need the church trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. And I think that he needed the disciples to be able to do their work without... Exactly. You know, I agree. Happening. So yeah. um, I think that's a big thing. It's not in red letters. So Jesus, it doesn't say how he told him. He may have went into detail. Right. And this is Matthew's account. So Matthew summarized that for us. And I don't have any doubt that there was probably a, there's some reasoning behind this. But even at this point, though, the disciples still aren't, they're not really grasping what's going to happen. Exactly. So, yeah. Because they don't know what's coming forth. I mean, and, and that might have been why Matthew summarized it too, because he, Looking back, you could be like, oh, yeah. Well, I don't want to give away the secret right now. Yeah. Because we missed it. So let's get to that when we get to that. Mm-hmm. So from there, now we know why Jesus named him Peter earlier. We get, we have that understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next time I have a, another Peter incident is when Jesus is talking about being killed. Right. Uh, Matthew 16, 21. So it's like right after this. Uh, the very next section of text in Matthew. It's also in Mark. Yeah, Jesus says, so I'm going to be killed, and I'll be raised again. And then because Peter's in that inner circle, one of his um, board of directors, you know, I think he feels like he's got that that right to talk to Jesus that way and say, I rebuke you. <laughs> and um, then, yeah, that, that creates a whole other dilemma between the two. Well, we, ta- we talked about this in the Paul episode. Yeah. We get this clear, clearly drawn out with Peter since Paul did it wrong with Peter. Mm-hmm. But it says that Peter pulled him aside. Does it say that? Yeah. Yeah, verse 22, Matthew sixteen twenty-two. it says, But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, right so, there. So you get that clear, clearly defined servant leadership point where you always you praise in public. Right. 
but you criticize in private. Right. So he pulls him apart and says, "Hey, man, don't no." And we <laughs> talked about we talked about Peter accepting that Paul was right, but still causing some problems. Mm-hmm. And now we know why because he he knows how to effectively criticize someone. Right. Pull him aside. You talk to him in private, but you also. You know, I don't know how it doesn't say how far aside he pulled him because Matthew's not in that inner circle, right? And Matthew knows what's happening. Matthew, yeah, he's so, a, his account for it is yeah. So there's that. But Jesus looks at Peter and says, "Get away from me, Satan! You're a dangerous trap to me." Uh-huh. There's something that I want to point out here that I had never heard this taught, but as I was reading through this, this is what I really got out of it. Jesus isn't rebuking Peter because Peter pulled him aside, right, and reprimanded him, or is trying to correct him. Jesus is is rebuking Peter because Peter doesn't understand what God's will is. Yeah, he doesn't see he doesn't know the plan. He doesn't have the big picture. So Peter has faith that Jesus is the Messiah, but he doesn't know what God's will is. Right. So our faith is only as good as the vision that we'll look to. Mm. And so yeah. so this is it gets back to to Peter's faith again because he's got faith, but he doesn't know faith beyond his own vision. And mm-hmm. his own vision is Jesus is coming down here to set up his kingdom on earth. Right. Exactly. Not, He's here to set it up. Right. You know. So we do this today. We still see things and we say, well, I believe that this is going to happen. And if it doesn't happen according to the way that we want it to, then we look at God and we're like, well, that's not how this is supposed to happen. So I just I thought that was a yeah. that was a fun a fun nugget there because I I'm like, oh, we we still we still do this. Mm-hmm. So so you know, it's it's laid out um, by Peter. You know, sometimes things aren't going to happen according to the way that we think it's going to happen, but that doesn't mean that it's not right. That it's yeah. not what's supposed to happen. Not so, in the will of the Lord. I like that too. That's good. Yeah. So the next thing uh, we see again that inner circle uh, that board of directors gets to see the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. And gets to see Jesus talk with Elijah. And Moses. And Moses. There's a Moses and Elijah on a mountain. That would be pretty amazing to see. So faith is a weird thing for me. Okay. I, I don't have any doubt that I have the gift of faith. I, I trust God on finances. And I have, over the course of my life, have had bad things happen. And, right. And I don't, I don't get frustrated. I don't get irritated for the most part. I say I know that um, I can count on God and he will provide and it will work out. I might have a stumble or I might have this and I'm, I'm fine. But I don't, I can't, can't really picture this. No. Not, I don't, it's not that I don't believe that it happened. I just, I it's can't. Incomprehensible. I, I can't imagine seeing it. Yeah. And I have a, I don't want to say a hard time, but. I, I really can't put words around what transfiguration what transfigurization actually is because I just I, I just can't wrap my head around it. Like of all of the complex or simple things that I don't understand, this is the one that just throws me for a loop. So according to the Google it says in the New Testament, the transfiguration of Jesus is an event where Jesus is transfigured and becomes radiant in glory upon a mountain. The synoptic Gospels describe it, and the second epistle of Peter also refers to it. So a, a drawing shows you know, him being taken up, and I guess that's when he had the conversation. Right. With, right? So. No, I mean, I understand, yeah, what, yeah, it, no, I understand just, what it means. I know, but it's still incomprehensible for us, I believe, because seeing is believing in huh. some cases. Faith is believing. I know. In things that you can't see. I know, right? <laughs> so it just does this little... 
But I just had to say it. I needed right. to get it out because I'm like, I don't, I just can't comprehend seeing someone that I know, even if I know that he is God, the, Jesus, he is he one is of the, the three <laughs> in the Trinity, and seeing him not only ascend, but there and completely morph in front of my eye. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing, is that... <laughs> With Peter involved, he would have just assumed it was somebody else. His faith at the point that if he wouldn't have actually seen his face change, right? I think that he would have just believed it was somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think the only reason that he believed it is because he saw the change. Right. I would agree. And so then my next question is, did he change back? Or from here on out, is Peter seeing him as this glowing person? Would only Peter be seeing him as that glowing person? I don't. Well, it'd be Peter, James, and John. Because, I mean, there's still quite a long time before. I know. So, wherever they go, he goes and he glows. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know. I would think that he probably we see in, changed back, is the way I would that, say. It. I mean, that's what I would assume, but it doesn't say that right. he does. And you know what happens when you assume. Right. But the other thing is that we see him talk to other people. We talk After he comes back to life, he talks to several people. Right. And they don't recognize him. I mean, at this point, Jesus hasn't even hasn't died, hasn't. I mean, no. so he's still got a he's still year, a year of life, you know, to live at this point. What? And here's the thing: is he's still what's what was what's the whole thing with Jesus during his life? He's a hundred percent man, a hundred percent God. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, if you can answer that question for us. <laughs> Please respond. So that's all the time that we have for this one today. So tune in next week to hear episode 14, Simon Peter. Thanks for joining us today on Salt and Rock. If you liked what you heard, feel free to reach out to us at saltplusrock at gmail.com. That's all letters, S-A-L-T-P-L-U-S-R-O-C-K at gmail.com. If you'd like to become a contributor to Salt Plus Rock, you can find us on buymeacoffee.com slash salt plus rock. Once again, all letters, S-A-L-T-P-L-U-S-R-O-C-K, where you can give a contribution as small as $5. Hey, every little bit helps. <laughs>